You're listening to Self-Publishing Journeys, the weekly podcast for all new and aspiring self-published authors. Stand by for tips, resources, hints, and practical techniques to help you on your own self-publishing journey. Meet indie authors at different stages of their writing careers and hear how they manage to get their own books published and making sales. For show notes, web links, and useful resources, please head to selfpublishingjourneys.com. Now, here's your show host, self-published author and digital marketer, Paul Teague. Hello and welcome to Self-Publishing Journeys, episode number 47 for Monday the 23rd of January 2017. My guest today is Ron Vital, who caught my attention on Twitter because of an excellent post that he made to his blog, outlining in great detail his indie author outgoings and income for 2016. Now, few authors dare to share this information, but Ron broke it all down in great detail, holding back nothing in the process. Ron is the author of the Cinderella Secret Witch Diaries and a Witch's Cover novel series and describes himself as a sci-fi fantasy writer. When I spoke to Ron for the podcast, I began by asking him how long he's been self-publishing. My first book came out in 2011. I started writing it back in 2008. So it took me a little while to get started. I write young adult fantasy. I also write science fiction. Okay, and you are f- full-time at work, is that correct? That is correct. I am lucky to have an amazing full-time job at a large public university on the East Coast that happens to be in the web group um, in the Strategic and Marketing and Communications Division. So a lot that I learn about marketing from higher education, I can take that and apply that to my writing career. You and me are very similar, actually. My career has also enabled me to work with this stuff for a living. And work and uh, your self-publishing work fuse a lot of the time. So it's quite handy. You're learning stuff at work that you could use at home, aren't you? I I agree with you. One of the things that I uh, tell people is that I like to experiment and do all kinds of exciting things in my publishing aspect, but then I learn from work what is working, what's not working. So they both feed each other in a very interesting symbiotic relationship. I really love having the balance of the two, so that way I can learn from one and then, um, you know, bring, for example, podcasts. And I brought that in a previous job where we hadn't done that before and had been doing podcasts in the past. So there's a lot of going back and forth, which uh, I think is helpful for my company as well as helpful for me personally. How much of a a day-to-day struggle is it for you to get the writing done around everything else that you do? Because I'm guessing you're pretty busy at work most of the time. Yes, I'm a director and I oversee three uh, individuals and we have a large department. um, So there's a lot of work. I'm typically out of the house working about when you can factor in commute time, 11 or 12 hours of the day. When you factor in sleep, raising two kids, there's just not a lot of actual physical time to sit down and write. Um, This was one of the challenges that I came up against when back in 2008, I was trying to figure out, well, well, how do I make time? Like, what am I going to do? This has been a dream of mine for so long. Either I'm going to keep saying I want to write or I have to come up with a plan to write. Um, So what I decided to do when I was young in my 20s, I used to stay up very late. Now that I'm older and I have kids, my kids get up early, I just flip the switch on that. And so now I'm typically up writing about 5 o'clock in the morning. So between 5 and like 6 in the morning, several times a week, that's when I decide to write, edit, do all my self-publishing work. But then the days that I don't write, and this to me was a a real eye-opening realization. 
organization in the last year, I exercise. Um, I found that if I only did work, constant work of either writing every day or going to work every day, I was becoming very quickly burned out. So I needed to find a balance between the two. Yeah, it's re really, really interesting that because um, why I was so keen to talk to you is you are, I think, in many respects and an everyman. And by an everyman, we hear so much about the people who are selling zillions of books and raking in the, the dollars and, and it all seems so easy. But most of us are doing what you're doing, which is trying to compress an already very packed schedule to just try and get the writing done but also to get some traction done. It's really interesting there that you pick up on good mental health as well as part of that. Yeah, that's, um, I'm in the process of writing a nonfiction book, and this is very near to my heart, and that back in 2015, just to your point, Paul, I kept seeing, you know, all these posts and networking with people in Facebook groups, everyone was saying how much money they were bringing in and all the success they were having. And I, I'll be very honest, I was extremely frustrated that I had been doing this work for years. And I just thought if I just put, you know, my hard work into it and knocked out as many books as I possibly could in a short amount of, amount of time, that I too would have the success. But what the reality is, is that, again, you need to sleep, you need to eat, you need to be able to have connection with your family, or otherwise, what is the point of you doing all this work? So in 2015, I did an experiment where I started a new series, the Witch's Coven series, and in book one, I wrote that book in a month. I essentially edited, got a cover made, the whole thing in the course of two to three months, and then quickly worked on book two. I was able to knock two books out, but at the same time, I... I like wrecked my health. My, my family life was a shambles because I wasn't sleeping. I was trying to do the full-time work. Essentially, it was a bit of a meltdown for, for me personally in that I, I could not handle lack of sleep and all the responsibility at the same time. And I had to make a, a healthy decision to say, am I going to continue to burn candles at both ends or am I going to do this smart and look at this at a longer-term strategy that I am not able to at this time knock out you know, 10, 11 books a year as we keep hearing all these people making all this money. And I realize that that's okay, that I need to be on a different path, my path. And if you were to look back eight years ago, I, I only had one book. Now I have, I'm working on my ninth. So I've just decided not to compare myself to others and to have a more healthy balance in my, in my personal life. Um, you know, I, I I don't know what more I can say about that is that I, I learned it was a very dark time back in 2015 and those new individuals starting out I hope that when you realize how much work indie authors you know have to go through that you take that in consideration and don't burn yourself out because so I, I think so many people try to do that they try to push through and to work through the hard times thinking well if I just do another book or I just do this one more thing but I think in the long term, that's just not going to be healthy for us as, as people. The reason I do this podcast is because I want to talk to people like you, who are the people who aren't raking in the millions that we tend to hear on the podcast, because I think that people's journeys and how people force the time into their day to day lives to, to do the writing is sometimes more compelling than hearing about the people who are making you know zillions of pounds, because actually your struggle is what most people are experiencing. And you did this amazing blog post um, summarizing what you did for the last year. I'm so grateful for that. And do you know what? So few people at our level share their income results, which is one of the things that you did. 
And um, many people might be surprised to hear the level of income that you're making after um, nine books, isn't it? Nine books you've got now. Um, so does that feel like a bit of a slog for you? It, it, it does. And that was one of the reasons why I, I've been doing uh, a year end blog posts for the last like three years now. And, you know, in the beginning back in, you know, 2000, the first one I did was 2012, 2013. The industry was different. There wasn't as much competition and I had more money coming in. Now what I'm realizing is there is much more competition, which means I have to not only up my game, but I have to have extremely professional looking covers. My book needs to be as error free as possible. I have to have great stories. I have to strengthen you know, and hone my own writing skills. And when I just think about the amount of work that that takes and how I've been on this journey for so many years, when I look at the numbers and I see, okay, I have extremely modest sales for the course, it is disheartening. But then I realize if I don't admit that, if I don't share that, how am I personally going to learn? And then I know that there are thousands of others that are out there who are in the same boat. The reality of the situation is not everyone is going to make a six-figure income in the first one year, two years, or even three years, or even four years. I am now getting to the point of, again, my first book was 2011. What I'm hoping is that the next two or three years, I'm going to be able to break through. I, I'm looking at from a point of view of a long-term strategy, slowly have modest success to be able to build up. The challenge that I have is discoverability, and when I look at my expenditures, and again, as you had said, I post all this in my, you know, in my blog post. You know, certain things such as editing of proofreading and editing of a book, the book cover itself. There are certain expenses which are a lot of money, and I've been working on uh, networking with other indie authors to find out how can I lower those costs, and on the same time, how do I produce the best quality content that I can, can humanly possible get out there, and also how do I build my, lead, uh, my readership through discoverability. So from a strategic point of view, what I've been working on is networking with other authors uh, using InstaFreebie, whereas 2011 up until I'd say maybe mid of 2015, my mailing list was almost non-existent. Now I'm at the point where my mailing list is nearly 3,000 people. The more that I can reach out to, the more that I can then market myself to build a relationship with my readers, when I do produce another book, I will then slowly but surely on an upward curve have a means to be able to effectively market my work to other people instead of I push publish on Amazon and the other you know platforms and nobody knows my book is out there. So I, I'm trying to look at this from a point of view of yes, it is disheartening to see that I've been working this for so many years and I'm not breaking you know ground in regard to you know the the dream of having financial success. But I can say I am learning not only how to become a better a better indie author, but the strategy and then the networking of how I can work with other authors. That that to me was the the number one thing that I learned in 2016, where the end of 2015 was, I realized I can't do it all. But in 2016, by the end of the year, I realized I may not have to do it all if I'm smart and network with the right people, build up my mailing list, do things such as automation on email so that when I'm sleeping, the little sleep that I do get, I can have my automated emails reach out to my readers and either give them special offers or my blog posts or anything that I want to do that I can imagine to build up engagement with those people. So I, I try to look at it as the glass is half full. 
that, yes, it has been a slog. Yes, it has been difficult, but I have learned so much, and I can see that little by little, I'm starting to get cracks in the ceiling. Um, I'm just trying to look at it from a more long-term perspective rather than, oh, I'm going to have success in ABC, XYZ type of years. I'll talk to you a little bit more about InstaFreebie in a moment or two because I do want to find out more about that. But in terms of your expenses and outgoings, you've listed your business expenses as as $2,800 and your income as about $1,200, just rounding up and down there for for simplicity. Now, one of the things this tells us is that if you're going to be an independent author, you've you've got to put the money in. There will be expenses. You can't do it for free. And the other thing is, is this re- realistic expectation about the level of income that you're probably going to be bringing in uh, at the beginning. I think you've got to be, you've got to expect it to be a loss leader, haven't you, when you make a start? Yes. Um, this is something in that anyone that I know who is an entrepreneur and, you know, friends of mine have started their own businesses. Uh, typically, the first couple of years, you lose money. You need to make an investment, not only for an indie author, you need to make an investment in yourself. You need to make an investment in your services that you need to use, as well as a website. There's, there's a lot of investment that needs to be made. Some of those investments, depending on the decisions that you make, could be ongoing costs, such as you know instant freebie or related to you know your website fees, hosting fees. Now, there's many decisions, again, you can find inexpensive ways to do many things. But again, from my perspective, thankfully, I have a really good full-time job. I look at it as income that I put aside out of my full daytime job, I can use to invest in this other company, this other industry that I'm trying to build, being this in the author. Um, what I believe is important for those who are first starting out to realize is, you know, gone are the days where you can sit down and you can knock a book out and then just put it up on KDP Select and then suddenly, you know, you've got money coming in hand over fist. Th- those days are gone. Now, it's very important to understand the marketing aspect of things, your strategy related to what is your business plan. Um, I think the big realization for me in 2016 is I had no business plan. I had no strategy. And then when I took the summer of 2016 to start turning that around, I realized no longer is writing for me this hobby where I want to just publish a book. It's something that I want to do as a side career. And eventually, as I get older, you know, possibly when I retire, I can switch full time to this. Or if I do have a lucky break, then I will be able to say, I have a strategy. I have a plan. But in these early years, I need to invest in education for myself and understanding how to do the marketing, the tools and the services. And yes, when no one knows who you are, you're going to lose money because when you publish those books and if you have no mailing list, no one's going to buy them outside of your friends and family. One of your biggest expenses of the year, other than covers and proofreading and editing, which is kind of we're all in for that, really, it was an author conference at $297. What, what was that and how useful was that for you? Well, uh, looking at the um, looking at the expenses, I, I, it's funny, right before this this interview, I have signed up for Digital Book World, which I spent the cost of that in 2016. The actual conference does not take place until uh, January 19th in New York, so I have not gone there yet. But I was looking at the, the schedule. There is a um, 
there's a working lunch where you can network with other authors. And the one thing that I've learned is the more that I can have FaceTime with people who are doing what I'm doing or such as we're doing now, we're networking, we're talking with each other, I'm learning something, your listeners are going to learn something. That's that's what I need to do. I need to be more out of just working in my, uh, my office and I need to be able to connect to learn what's happening in the industry and I need to be able to listen to that so I can apply that to my own strategies and then at the same time anything that I have to share I really do believe in paying it forward uh, people have helped me over the years uh, in this particular year I networked with a, um, a famous author and she was kind enough to promote one of my books and this was over in the states it was the Labor Day weekend over September 3rd September 4th she sent an email out to her mailing list in the course of less than 24 hours my mailing list jumped up 900 other subscribers wow. which allowed me then then to have nine other potential readers that i can then use on my automation process they would get emails over the course of six weeks of here's my strategy here's my brand here's the offerings that i have here's a free story you know here's a free this here's another offering and those individuals could choose to essentially buy other books of mine. So that that's the type of networking that, again, I spent zero dollars on that outside of my time. And again, being in the right place and networking with the right individuals has opened doors for me, which frankly, I didn't even know were available. Let's have a look at Insta Freebie. I'm getting very interested in Insta Freebie because you're, I think, the second or third author who's told me that they've had really good and fast success with Insta Freebie. Now, on your list of expenses, um, you've spent $60 on Insta Freebie. I think, though, um, I get them mixed up because I use BookFundle as well. Do you have to pay for Insta Freebie? I'm trying to remember. Insta Freebie is free. However, if you wish to use the premium services, which I do, and I'll explain why in a minute, it's $20 a month. So again, I didn't start doing that at the beginning of the year. I waited a little bit to be able to get that process started. The reason why is that um, I didn't fully understand how to use Insta Freebie from a point of view, which was from an extremely strategic point of view. Um, what was happening was I decided that the, I decided that what had happened was the Insta Freebie, you could give free copies of your book away, but if I did that, I wasn't having those individuals automatically added into my MailChimp subscriber list. So I was giving things away, but then I wasn't tying that uh, user, that person, that customer into the process of being able to go through and get onto my list. And that's something that I, I really hadn't thought of from a strategic point of view. The $20 of the service for Insta Freebie essentially allows you to tie in and integrate the Insta Freebie account with whatever mail uh, subscriber list. I use MailChimp, so to tie those together. So for example, tomorrow, other indie authors and I are working together. We have collaborated together to offer the first book in one of our series uh, free for a limited amount of time. I will be promoting on my email uh, subscriber list, which again at this point is near 3,000 individuals, and then there's another 12 other authors who are doing the same thing. So we are coordinating our efforts to essentially email our subscribers and say, hey, there's a special promotion. You can get all or one of these books for free. All you have to do is click on the cover and go. And you'll go to Instant Freebie. The uh, reader would sign up from their email address, and that would automatically be tied into my MailChimp account. And again, the way I have it set up, and again, this took a lot of work for in 2016, is that that person is then put into my automated uh, email funnel. And 
that's the beauty of it. And that, again, I'm working smart instead of working hard and doing all this manual work. I have a, uh, basically, a, as you had said, the service you use, book funnel. I have a funnel set up so I can get leads, give someone a reader magnet. They read my book. They're on my list. I can build engagement with those individuals, and I have the opportunity to sell them and market my other books as I continue writing over the course of the year and next year and beyond. Okay, so a couple of questions digging into InstaFreebie a little bit more. First of all, where are you finding the promotional partners to work with? And secondly, what if you haven't got a very good list? Maybe you've got a list of 200. How attractive are you then for other partners? That is a very good question because that's the exact situation that I was in, um, I'd say, the beginning, a year for, a year earlier, back in 2016. I had only a few hundred individuals on my list. Um, I, at that time, I decided to experiment with two different things. Um, I went and did some Facebook ads, driving individuals to my website where those potential readers could then sign up on my list um, get into my process so I can then email them, and I started slowly but surely building up my list. What I realized, though, is having such a cold form of a Facebook ad, those leads were pretty much cold leads, and they weren't necessarily translating into people actually converting and buying my books, which led me into Instant Freebie. The reason and how I was able to connect is I started networking uh, on Facebook, there are many different writing groups that are out there, um, and I decided to join two of those in the course of the year. By joining those, I was able to then provide value to the other readers of, hey, look, I discovered this article, or I just tried this experiment. I just started sharing my experiences in the forum, not to be asking for help or you know asking for favors, but I provided value to my colleagues in a private Facebook group of indie authors. Then over time, I started seeing that people were working together and I said, well, my list is very small. It was very transparent. I wanted to be extremely honest and say, I am having a really difficult time with this. And I just started reaching out to people on the group saying, would you please help me? This is where I'm at. Would you be willing to work with me? I will pr promote your book. I was very honest with what my numbers were. And one of the members of the, um, of the group said yes. And that, again, led me to an extremely large number of sign-ins uh, from that particular group. Once I realized the, the power of what was happening there, I then started looking for similar type relationships with other authors from another group um, that I was in. And from there, I just continue to keep networking with individuals slowly but surely. There's also, and I, I don't have it in front of me, there's a service, and I again, I can't remember the name of this. I would have to do some research to look this up. But there is a website for fiction authors that essentially you can sign up for it. And you could say, I have a newsletter. These are the amount of people who are on my list. This is the type of writing that I do. I am looking to, you know, essentially showcase other authors and here's my schedule for the course of the year and then it's a it's a matching service so one author can say oh my work is very similar to this other author let me try to connect with this person I haven't had an immense amount of uh, uh, success with that but I have found two other authors just in the course of the last month and a half and I have scheduled different promotions where 
the author would send out my book one with the Insta freebie, and in return, I would send their book one out with the Insta freebie. And I just write to my my readers and queue that up and say, look, I found this great, you know, book. I really, you know, I checked it out. It, 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 look, you know, it's awesome. I think it's fantastic. For a limited time, it's for free. If you're interested, click on the on the link. And I've seen that, you know, the reciprocal sharing of such promotions does raise your email list. What I need to find out over time, over the course of 2017, is when I do have these thousands of individuals on my list, how much am I converting from them to actual other sales? And that's going to take some time for me to, to figure out. Brilliant. And, and like me, I, so I've just done the Facebook thing. I did Mark Dawson's course. I've spent quite a lot of money on Facebook ads. Um, it has built my, my list nicely, but it doesn't feel like... Um, there's that kind of I, I agree with you that kind of engagement that Insta Freebie brings in that you're you're recommending books and you're giving something uh, to people. Uh, $275 on Facebook ads. Had you taken training before you did that, or or did you figure it out yourself? No, I did. Um, um, I did do some uh, free webinars on that. I'm trying to remember if Nick Stevenson had uh, a course. There there was a course that I did take to be able to look at that. I was getting about, and I think I put this in my blog post, I think conversion rates were about 62 cents, you know, per, uh, you know, sign up for someone clicking on the ad and actually converting uh, and getting onto my email list. And I looked at that number, and again, not that I spent thousands of dollars on Facebook, but again, when I'm trying to cut my, uh, my yearly expenses, I realized that I was having much more success just through networking with fellow indie authors, uh, widening my circle. As my list is growing, that makes me a little bit more, uh, you know, acceptable from others to be able to work with. Of, oh, we have similar type lists. If that's true, why don't we help each other out? Um, whereas the Facebook ads, I was spending money where I realized I didn't necessarily need to spend that money. That money could have gone for another cover for another book. Um, I'm basically for 2017 decided I'm going to hold off on Facebook ads. I, I just don't see the value uh, for that right now for me where I'm at in my career. It's not as though I'm selling you know, tens of thousands of dollars worth of books, whereas I can then use my mailing list and upload that up into Facebook and then start marketing through Facebook that way. It, it just, it's more of an expense right now than, uh, than I need to, to spend at this time. I noticed again from your blog post that you've at work you've taken a certification on SEO, search engine optimization, and um, I, I hear a lot of people get very excited about this. And this is something I, I've never, I, although I do the basics of SEO, I don't actually use it as a strategy because I know if you do the basics, you label your images, you know, you use the headings correctly, and you don't overstuff keywords. That, that generally, for most of us, that's going to do the job. I'm wondering what what you learned from that that you've been able to apply into your own business. Well, I can I can share this with you. I finished the course last December. It was uh, a, I think it was more than a dozen hours worth of online sessions, and I was lucky enough that again my full time job they paid for the service. And as you're mentioning, uh, yes, it's very important that the name of your images, using the alt tags, the headings, the page titles, using the content itself from a strategic point of view, you want to make sure that your keywords are in there. I learned a lot, but then what I learned. Uh, toward the latter part of 2016 at my day job and working with another company is that Google's algorithms, especially on how Hummingbird algorithm has been changed in the last several years, is that 
much of what I had thought was extremely important turns out not necessarily to be the case any longer. Um, I'm currently working on a massive uh, enterprise-wide project at the university that I work, and we've learned in working with a vendor in that the most important thing from a SEO perspective is, are you answering a user's question? And I think that that's something that I had never really thought before. It, 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 yes, it's important to have certain keywords, but as you had mentioned, we don't want to just stuff keywords on there. Google's rank brain, which is artificial intelligence, is essentially categorizing and using all the content out on the web to predict what you, the user, is searching for. So if you're looking for, I am looking for a fantasy book, if you're answering certain questions on your blog post or in your articles and description of your books on your website, if you have your content optimized appropriately, your search rankings are going to appear higher than others. Whereas um, what I've learned, it's not necessarily how many links you have coming to your website or how many keywords you have stuffed. It really is the interest of content, of how you have that on your page is that important um, to be able to, to serve up to people what they're looking for. Um, in 2016, I've spent a good amount of time on looking at Neil Patel's website. It's Neil Patel, P-A-T-E-L.com. He is a uh, online marketer, and he typically focuses on uh, lots of research to break down, such as, you know, uh, what is the latest and greatest in search analytics and from algorithms? What is Google actually doing? I have learned more from his articles than the dozen hour of training sessions that I did, which quickly go out of date. So again, that was only a year ago, the online trading session, and already the material that I learned in there, it's, it's passe. Uh, that's, how, that's how fast that Google is changing their algorithms. Typically, they change their algorithms minutely through the course of the year, 500 to 600 times. Um, so there's a lot that's going on in the area of search. And so from my perspective, I want to continue to train myself and learn, again, invest in myself, so that way I can ensure that the content that I have is going to be the best possible content for my website. It's interesting that you say that because when, when I teach people about this stuff, I always say, you know, you can get as excited as you want about the latest algorithm from Google. Um, what will always be true and what has always been true is that if you write and produce great content, that you will always beat the search engines. You will always rank high in the search engines. And my guess is that the article you've just written, have you done any analytics on that yet? Because I bet you that becomes uh, an article that really ranks highly for you over time. Yes, I have. I was, uh, I was pleasantly surprised to see that just in the course of five, six days, uh, there were six, 1,600 sessions um, you know, coming to the site from various different places, through social, through Kindle boards, through a bunch of different locations from all around the world. But the thing that I really found most interesting was the time, average time on page. People are spending more than nine minutes on that page, which if, if anyone knows anything about the Internet, um, people are actually reading the entire article. And I'm very happy to see that. Typically, um, you know, at my, my day job, if you see someone on a page longer than several seconds sometimes or 20, 30 seconds, that's considered a long amount of time. But if I'm seeing, you know, again, average time on page for more than nine minutes, um, I'm very happy to see that. Interestingly, you get that with a podcast, Ron, because I, I'm the same as you. I've looked at pages and they, you know, it's seconds usually and a very high bounce rate. 
with a podcast, just like your article, your time on page is the longest I've ever seen. So uh, if anybody ever wonders about, uh, you know, good strategies for the web, actually providing audio or podcast uh, content is a great way of doing that, as well as writing amazing articles like Ron has done. But I mean, you know, it's interesting though, Ron, isn't it? You know, a single article um, can actually bring most of the traffic to your site. Most websites have a single article that, that virtually does all the work, takes all the strain. And, that, and, you know, that's something that by looking at my analytics, um, if, if I could have, you know, if I go back in time in my TARDIS back in 2008 and say, okay, at that time I was writing books, um, but I didn't really have a strategy. Now in 2017, I'm looking at it as, as an indie author, you know, in 2017, I need to be nimble and I need to be able to understand what am I going to do next and why am I going to do next? So, again, I'm working on my fiction, but at the same time, I'm also working now on a nonfiction book thinking, oh, wait a minute, there's a lot of people out there who might want to read the experience that I have over the last so many years. So uh, I nearly finished a nonfiction book that I'm going to try a different avenue of income. Uh, my thought process is I'm a big fan of Johanna Penn on the Creative Penn podcast, and I, I see that you list her you know, on, on your site, Joanna has been an inspiration to me because she not only does fiction, but she does nonfiction. She does public speaking. She's now branching out into she and her husband working on a publishing company. She's working on building a company, a strategy rather than back in 2008. The only thought I had in my mind is I want to write one book. Now I realize, hmm, maybe I can do more than that, or maybe I can branch out in different ways. I'm a writer. How can I share my experiences? I can speak. I can write nonfiction. I can write fiction. I've released audiobooks. There's many different products and forms of income that could come out of that if I only step back and look at it from a different perspective. So that, that again, has been an uh, extremely wonderful process of learning that I have uncovered over the course of, i say, the last year, year and a half. And looking at my analytics, not just guessing what people are looking at at my website, but understanding that and knowing that um, really helps me plan my strategy for the, uh, the year to come. And going back to our conversation about SEO, one of the things I found about nonfiction, releasing nonfiction, is that effectively um, it is a keyword-based uh, exercise. When you do fiction, you are an unknown author at the, the bottom of a very big pile of authors in, in a particular genre. But when you write a nonfiction book, it's, it's just keywording. It's just back to SEO again. Exactly. And, you know, my thought is I have several years of good content on my website that I am still getting traffic to certain particular pages. Now that I know that, I can have those pages learning from Neil Patel as landing pages so that once my book is available, I can then seed in different links or blocks of areas of knowing traffic is going to come into the sites. I can either try to get those people onto a mailing list for nonfiction authors. I can possibly, uh, you know, put a, a, a banner driving traffic to nonfiction book. There's a lot of different possibilities that I have now that I understand where the traffic is coming from and what people are looking for. Mm, that's a great strategy. Um, another thing that I saw in your report is that you had dropped out of an in-person writing group and now have a very strong preference for online communities at Facebook indie groups. Can you just talk to me about that experience? I've, I've had some recent um, not very good experiences in, in writing groups. So I'm just interested to hear what your experiences are. 
Sure. I, you know, I, I want to start off first with saying the, the, the writing group that I joined, they were fantastic individuals. They were great to work with. Um, I, they even shared several articles to me to be able to help me hone my writing, learn different uh, processes better, which was fantastic. The main reason why I decided to drop out is that the group focused only on traditional publishing. Um, they None of them were indie authors in, you know, in the group. I was the only indie author. And what I found to be challenging is I kept looking for ways of uh, networking and finding ways of marketing and understanding social media and online digital content and book formatting. You know, I, I wasn't just writing. I was also trying to start a business. And in going to the, the, the sessions, we would sit down, we would critique each other's writing, which was fantastic. But then there, was, there wasn't another level for what am I going to do with this book? How am I going to then sell it? It was just focusing on the craft. Uh, with my being so busy, I realized, well, I, I can go and do this. I, I was spending a tremendous amount of time reading everyone else's you know, book and, and critiquing everything and writing everything up and then going to the sessions. And, uh, so it, it was a lot of effort, and I didn't feel that I was learning some of the marketing that I needed to. And that's when I decided, let me try to see what I can find online. And I did find, you know, some groups online, and those groups enabled me to find out, oh, I'm not, I'm not the only person that's trying to do this. I can network uh, with other individuals and find how do I do A, B, C, or D. Such as uh, back in December, I realized I had set up my Insta freebie incorrectly. I did not have it required for individuals to be able to put in their contact information. I allowed it to be an opt-in, and what that essentially meant is that I had about 2,500 individuals download my book, but they never opted in to be able to give me their, their, uh, their name and their email address to get onto my list and then onto my automated process of emails. What I realized is that uh, from networking with other indie authors, I forgot to check this one box in InstaFreebie. Once I did that, that problem was resolved. It forced people to then put in their name and their address, uh, email address, and get onto my list. So something that was very simple, I was able to say, look, I, I don't know how to do this. I'm doing something wrong. Within hours, um, a fellow in the author, she took a screenshot of her InstaFreebie, circled where I needed to check, put it into the Facebook group, and then I realized what I needed to do and was quickly able to solve the problem. Um, from a uh, I, I guess a, a business perspective, having like-minded people that I can work with and say, I've tried this and it succeeded or it failed, and sharing that information to me has been very beneficial because I've been able to then pay back to those who have helped me, and I can also learn when other individuals are responding with their own experiences related to book launches, how did ads work, how did they not work, how did InstaFreebie work with them, that's where I really learned about InstaFreebie. I, I'm seeing people talk about you know, 1,000, 2,000, 3,000 people they were able to get on their list in the course of a month, and I had been struggling for over a year and only had several hundred. I realized well, I, I can adapt and try a new tool, or I could continue going in this writing group, and it was great people, it was great to work with, but I wasn't learning what I really needed to learn from a business point of view. You have absolutely, Ron, articulated what my own experiences were in a writing group. I was amazed that I asked the question in the group, 
um, where are you? Where are your blogs? Where are you, where are you on social media? And no one, no one in the group had any kind of even basic marketing tool, which astonished me. Now, I know that we're after different things in life, but I think our experiences, I would flag up that if you are joining a writing group, make sure that these people have a similar aspiration to you, because we are actually very different from people who want to have a traditional deal. I, I agree with you. And, and again, um, I... At this point in my career, the only way I would uh, lease my rights for any of my work would possibly be for print, but I don't believe there is a deal out there through traditional publishing that I would, um, you know, lease my ebook rights to. I, I just do not see from a a financial perspective that I would be able to get the the type of returns that I would be getting. If I do discover that audience and I'm able to make that connection by converting those individuals into on my mailing list into sales, um, I've read too many horrible, um, you know, contracts in traditional publishing these days. That that's that is not the type of path that I want to go on these days. I'm a big fan of Christine Catherine Rush's um, business musings. Uh, blog. She blogs every Thursday. And the things that I've learned and following her over the years, seeing when she was in traditional publishing and now she's publishing all on her own and, and, and the success that she's having made me realize from a smart perspective, what can I do? And if, if I go to a writing group and the writing group does not have that same mindset, sure, I'm going to learn about craft but then I'm not going to learn about all these other things. And for me, it's very important to build my email list up. The, the biggest, two biggest things that I realized that I could focus on from uh, advancing my career is build the email list and write other books in a series. Uh, they're, mar they're my marketing tools. The more books I have out there, the more that I can be found through SEO um, on my website, on Amazon and other platforms, Kobo and, uh, you know, and Barnes and Noble. That's, that's what I'm realizing rather than I don't want to simply just limit myself and say I'm going to wait for a traditional publisher to validate me by accepting my book. I tried that for so many decades when I was younger and that just never came to be. I reached out to agents and I, they would be interested but then it would fall through. Now we live in a world where any of us could write a book and have it published in an extremely fast amount of time. One of the groups that I'm on, they're publishing a book a month. Uh, they're doing this full time and they're reporting their salary and they have a six-figure salary. Now, from what I'm learning from you and what you're learning from me, that's that's not where we are in our careers and that's fine because we have our full-time day jobs. But I am learning the process of what they're doing, what is working for them, what isn't working for them, and I can take some of that and apply that to my own day-to-day -day as an indie author. It's tough, it's expensive, and you've got to do the work. At what point, Ron, would you consider throwing in the towel? Would you, would you even consider that? That, is, uh, that has been a question that I would say back in 2015 that it was weighing heavy on my mind. Um, I did reach burnout phase. I, I, I felt that I was pushing too hard. I wasn't seeing the type of success that I had wanted. But then, this is part of my own personality. I have been wanting to write, and I have been writing since I have been nine years old. I mean, I, ha I still have in a uh, little spiral copybook the first story that I wrote, a science fiction story, and in crayon, I 
I drew the characters and I wrote this all up. And I remember that feeling of the wonderment of I can imagine something. I could create something. I could create a world. And others wanted to to read that. Um, that that experience and remembering, you know, back in elementary school where teachers, they would read my story to the class and the class were so excited, like what was going to happen next. I really enjoyed that process. And over the years, I have always in some way, form or another been writing my formal education. Um, I have my master's of arts in English, English literature. You know, I, I have spent so much time of my life with writing, with reading, with the written word. Um, I, I realized that I could give up. But if I gave up, that would be, for me, realizing that I wasn't being true to myself, that my true self, the person that you know I, I am and who I want to continue to be, is a writer, and that I may not today have the type of success that I want to have, but I am learning the tools that when I look back, just back in 2008 to where I am now, I had ideas and was nothing getting accomplished and no mailing list and no understanding of how to format a book you know, into different Mobi and EPUB. I, I had no experience at all, whereas now I have learned so much. And that, to me, is part of the journey. I mean, I, I know it might sound a little corny, but you know, my life is a journey. There isn't going to be this day where I'm going to have a magical amount of time where I can just write where, you know, as long as I want. That, that just does not exist for me right now, and I don't expect it will be that way for the next several years. But if I continue to write and put on page these stories that have meant so much to me over the years and create new things, I have had readers reach out to me and share some personal stories of how my, my, my books have influenced them and they've admired my work and how wonderful they've been you know, to help them in difficult times. That, to me, is why I'm doing to work, the, the work. It's, it's for the readers. Will the financial success come? I believe that it will. It's just going to take me longer than I had ever thought possible, and that's okay. So I was able to resolve the fact in my own personal life that I can look at it two ways. I can see this as a slog, and I'm a failure, or I can see it as I have achieved something that I never thought possible and I'm continuing to learn on a daily basis. My books are reaching people. I am selling, though modestly, but I am growing, I am learning, and I am on an upward curve that's going to take me a little bit longer than I had expected. And that's why I decided to keep going on because I still love it. It, There's a love of writing for me. And if I asked you to describe what your author vision board looked like, you know, in five years' time, for instance, when you've had that breakthrough, what would your author career look like? Would it just be books? What would you be doing? My, uh, my wife and I were talking about this uh, over the new year. I really dislike New Year's revolu- uh, resolutions. I, I just don't believe they're worth doing because half the time, you know, you make a resolution and then in two months, you know, you, you give up and you no longer go to the gym or whatever the resolution is. Um, I look at it as a point of view of every day I need to work toward this goal and that's going to take me time. So when I look five years out, I see myself as a successful um, fantasy and science fiction author. I see myself successful in nonfiction writing. I also see myself successful, as I said to my wife, I want to do speaking nationally and internationally at different conferences. I have had some uh, local success in doing conference speaking, and I'm seeing myself 
as wearing multiple hats, not simply just one thing, just uh, just in my day life. And it sounds like you're doing the same thing. You write, you work at your job, you're many different things. For my five years out, that multifaceted aspect, and I want to make certain that I am continually embracing the new technology, uh, meaning if that's virtual reality, if it's augmented reality, if it's movies, if it's writing stories for video games, Whatever that's going to be, I am a storyteller. And as a storyteller, it doesn't matter if it's a nonfiction story or if it's a fiction story, or it doesn't matter if I use my voice or my words on a page or um, there is a virtual environment that's using my stories and my vision. It's all the same to me. I just want to make certain that I am as well trained and prepared as I possibly can to offer these best stories that I can to my listeners or my readers. As we would expect from somebody in your day job profession, you are all over social media and the web. Um, which channels do you find work best for you online? Um, that is a, if you would have asked me that question three years ago, I would have hands down just said, oh, I'm on Twitter all the time. Now that I realize that I don't have the time to be on Twitter as much as I would like, Twitter is my preferred means of social communication with networking with individuals. But within the last, I'd say, three months, private Facebook indie author groups has bought, brought me, the, the, as I had shared already, the best value of me being able to connect with the right individuals. Um, frankly, with the way the world has shaped out in you know, the last maybe 18 months or so, there's a lot of hate on Twitter. Uh, there's a lot of anger. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of things out on Twitter, and I'm not finding the conversations to be as open or the individuals to be on uh, as much as they used to be. Instead, I'm finding people pulling into again smaller groups, whereas people are networking in a particular forum, so that way they can communicate more effectively. So I'm still on Twitter, but not as much as I used to be because I just realized that. That 20, 30 minutes a day, I can then apply into other areas that have been more productive for me. Your uh, covers are very strong. And I noticed from your breakdown of expenses that you're paying a fairly reasonable amount for, for your covers. Where are you getting those done? Are you using a, an outsourcing site like you know Fiverr or something like that? Yeah, the, the experience of my covers and learning that process, um, if you look at my Cinderella uh, Secret Witch Diary series, those three books, I'm currently having those covers redone. I worked with a uh, graphic artist that my wife knew, and I think at that time, back in, you know, again, 2011, 2012, those covers were the best that I could afford, and I've since learned a lot since then. If you look at my covers for uh, Faith or for Awakenings and Betrayals, those covers were all done through 99designs. Um, yes, they were a little pricey, but I I think if you compare those covers with the uh, the Cinderella covers, you'll see a striking difference in those covers. And um, slowly but surely getting to the process of having much better professional covers. I am doing competitive analysis to see what books are selling and what do those covers look like, what elements are on those covers, what colors are on those covers. You know, is the female protagonist looking, you know, at the author or the, what else is happening in there. So I'm, I'm trying to learn as best as I can to then apply that when I work with a, um, a cover designer. And as we speak, um, later this week, I'm going to be working with a, uh, 
uh, entrepreneur. She does cover designs on the side to redo my Cinderella cover. So we'll go through the brief that I sent her to be able to get those covers reworked. Um, again, by learning what other authors have done, and I'm thinking of Johanna Penn, she originally had covers for her one series, realized they weren't performing well, she had those covers redone, and now those books are performing well. The written word didn't change the covers, that marketing aspect when the reader gets their eyeballs on the cover, that really makes a big difference in today's day and age. The more that we as indie authors can have our covers look as slick and as professional as possible, um, they will be indistinguishable from traditionally published books. So I, my route has been 99 designs, but now I'm going to do an experiment with a uh, entrepreneur who has a, a, a business of doing cover designs. I want to see if that works. If not, I'm going to try a different you know, uh, cover designer just to see my future books coming out, I, where I can go with this. Uh, interestingly, in 40-something interviews that I've done on this podcast so far, you're the first person uh, other than myself who's used 99design. So while I've got you here as a user, can you just um, tell me about your experience and how you found it? Sure. I, uh, I found it to be a bit of a mixed bag. The first cover that I did was for Awakenings, and I was able to get the, the one promotion where you get more exposure and more people... Uh, cover designers from around the world will submit their ideas and some of the ideas that that authors uh, i'm sorry cover designers had submitted were we'll just say subpar um i was very shocked at some of the low quality of the submissions that were you know sent to me and i was frankly shocked that i was going to potentially spending several hundred dollars whereas i thought my you know my uh, my son, who's 13, could do a better cover. So I took the covers that really did not work at all and just, you know, told those individuals, thank you very much, and then that was it. And didn't want to speak to them any longer for this particular project because, again, it's my money, it's a business. I need to make certain that I have a relationship with the designer that can get my vision, and I need a certain professional look on the cover. I, I needed something that was actually going to sell. Out of the four or five potentials, I then worked with, my wife has done uh, different marketing and cover designs in the course of her career, not in fiction, but in different type of books in, in her career, uh, took her advice. And then I also worked with some other indie authors to show some early designs, get some feedback from those people. I even used, as part of my marketing strategy, a poll that 99designs allows you to create a poll and I sent the poll to my subscribers on my email list saying I'm thinking about cover A, B, or C which one for my next book would you think is going to work the best and then my readers replied and then gave their feedback which again was extremely helpful because again I look at it as it was a focus group um, for me to be able to see what uh, people would actually respond to in a positive way I really did enjoy 99designs. One of the things that at times could be frustrating is some of the cover designers, English is not their first language, and there was some language barrier uh, between us going back and forth to communicate extremely difficult concepts uh, in a way that would allow them to direct the cover in a way that I wanted. I often resulted to taking screenshots and circling things and you know writing brief little notes going back and forth so that it could be extremely specific going you know in that relationship with them 
I, I wish that I had more of a multilingual experience that I would be able to communicate in their native language. Unfortunately, that's not true. I only have some French experience and then my English. Um, you know, I've worked with someone that Italian was their first uh, native language, and that did create some challenges. Now, that's not to say I didn't get a great cover. It just took more work. And, you know, part of my ethic is I want to get outside my own comfort zone. I want to work with a good cover designer. So I looked at it as, well, this is this is a challenge for me. This isn't a, a block. This isn't something that I should exclude someone from working, you know, with me. I just need to find a better way to communicate. And it took a little bit more effort on both our parts, but the relationship turned out well. Um, Yes, it did cost uh, you know a little bit more money than I would have liked. And now in networking with indie authors, they're saying 99 designs, yes, you could go that way, but maybe you might want to try something else and you can save possibly $200 per cover. That is something that I do want to explore because if I can save that money, I can use that money in other ways. I'm amazed, Ron, speaking to you at how similar our journeys and our experiences have been because you've, you've summed up exactly, I tried 99 Designs and that was exactly my experience of it too. Um, you know, that it was great, there's nothing wrong with it, but actually it's not for me, I don't think, in terms of being an author. Um, thank you so much for sharing everything that you shared today. We are nearly out of time, so I need to conclude by just asking you, where are the best places for people to find out uh, more about you? And I will, of course, put a direct link to that great article that you wrote on the resources page when we publish the interview. Sure, I appreciate that. Uh, if people want to learn more about my writings, they can go to ronvital.com. Uh, if you're going to have a link to that article, you know, once you're on the website, in the top there's a section for authors. There's the writing life section of my website that has all the various blog posts that I've written about uh, publishing or in my indie author uh, experience in that area so they can find you know find me that way my email address if they want to reach out to me directly is on the bottom in the footer of my you know my website or ronvital.com and of course they can look me up on twitter um i'm ron vital on twitter thank you for listening to this week's self-publishing journeys if you enjoyed the show please consider sharing it with your indie author friends or you can leave a review on itunes stitcher or whichever podcast directory you use In the meantime, you'll find previous interviews and all the show notes at selfpublishingjourneys.com. Thanks again for listening. We'll have more great self-publishing tips for you next week.